This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. My name is James D. Spittake Graves, and I am here with Jason Pebbles Colvin, and we are here to enter into the Maverick Zone. <laughs> the Maverick Zone. The Maverick Zone. Hey, those call signs are real. We got to at least explain what call signs we've given ourselves. Here. Okay, we both have had a heck of a week, and I don't need to get into my week, but just prayers for Caleb, my son, who you've heard about, had a major head injury. We spent a week in the hospital. Jason had to go to the hospital for a little bit, but it was an entirely different experience. <laughs> Good news is Caleb's doing just fine. Yeah, he's on he, the road to he's recovery. He's on the road to recovery. Yes, I have had not one but two kidney stones since we recorded Top Gun episode. Yeah. Did you hit the brakes and fly right by? (laughs) (laughs) Switching the guns on this one. So that's why Jason's name is Pebbles. Now you got to tell him why my name is Yeah. Okay. So if you guys will go back and listen to our Saturday Night Fever versus Dirty Dancing movies comparison part one, at the very end of that, you'll hear an outtake of somebody hacking and spitting up something really gross. (laughs) D took a huge bite out of some green jerky that was covered with furry mold. He didn't look what he was eating, just popped it in his mouth, chewed it up. Next thing I know, I have never seen so much nasty, moldy, <laughs> fungus scum in my life. It was, and I put it in my mouth. It was in and it was chewing. Oh my gosh, that was <laughs> terrible, terrible. Fuzzy. Okay, enough about us. Let's jump into Top Gun Maverick. This is a movie that we have been waiting for three years for this to come out. Three years? We've been waiting 36 years for this to come out. That is true. That is true. If you saw the movie back in 1986, you wanted nothing more than another Top Gun, and they made us wait three and a half decades to do it. But this movie was originally supposed to come out in July of 2019. It got postponed. It got postponed again in 2020 because of COVID. It got postponed again in 2021 because we were still feeling the effects of COVID. And finally, this year, 2022, we have got our Top Gun sequel. You and I have tickets this Tuesday night. For those of you listening out there, we have not seen this yet. Yeah, well, at the beginning of this episode, we will not have seen it. Then we're going to tell you, hey, we're going to go watch the movie. Then we'll say, all right, get ready for spoilers, folks, because we're going to tell you about our movie-going experience. So the second half of this episode, you will get to hear what we think after having seen the movie. Yes. And we will let you know when we are entering the spoiler zone. That way you can pull the ejection handle, get out of there before any spoilers drop. Yeah, make sure you wait until the cap goes completely off. Otherwise, (laughs) serious injury or death may result. That's right. Watch out for the jet wash. Okay, before we jump full on into this one, there are a couple of like kind of tragic stories that go along with this, and I hate to be a downer, so let's just cover those real quick. We've got a new director on this one. we got Joseph Kaczynski, who is the director on this, and that is because almost 10 years ago, Tony Scott, who went on to become an incredible blockbuster director. A couple of my favorites are Man on Fire and True Romance, which I think we should cover True Romance at some point, written by Quentin Tarantino. Maybe that one versus Natural Born Killers. Sounds great, good. Yeah, right? I, I okay. could go for that. So anyway, Tony Scott made some amazing movies. 
And then, by the way, Crimson Tide is one of my favorites. Oh yeah, that is a good one. Hey, he did Days of Thunder, which we talked about our last episode was not the best collaboration between him and Tom Cruise, but both of those guys met their new wives there. Yeah, and Tony Scott had twin boys with that wife, but then after all these amazing movies, after all this amazing success, on August 19th, 2012, witnesses see him drive his car onto the Vincent Thomas Bridge in Los Angeles, stops, gets out, climbs over, and jumps off. Amazing, shocking tragedy that no one can explain. Literally, Ridley Scott's words were inexplicable. Yeah. Now, there was some talk about whether he might have been dealing with cancer or not. I don't have a firm answer on that. Ridley Scott said that he was, but other sources say that he wasn't. But it's just, you know, you never know what demon somebody is dealing with, and it's just a big tragedy. If you have any thoughts like that, please go get help, because it's there are ways to avoid those thoughts without ending it all. Really, really tragic. Really yeah. tra- I remember when that happened. It was very, very sad. Very sad. Now, also kind of a tragedy is the amazing actor Val Kilmer, who also went on to do tons of great movies, including True Romance. He was Elvis. Elvis in True Romance. Sure. Um, he, he was also Doc Holliday. Go back to our Tombstone episode. Yeah. So many, so many great roles. And he tragically got throat cancer and has completely lost his voice. Yeah. If you have a chance to watch the documentary called Val, it's on Prime right now. It's super interesting, number one, because it's a total peek behind the curtain because Val Kilmer was one of these guys who had a camcorder with him everywhere he went. Oh, wow. So there's tons of cool stuff. I mean, you you get a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff on Top Gun, him with his kids, him with his wife, and then him dealing with this tragic throat cancer that actually took his larynx and so there was some speculation about whether he would be able to rally enough to be in top gun maverick yeah he is in the movie it's going to be interesting to see how he's used so i heard they're using like some kind of ai to give him a voice or something you know anything about this amazing okay so they have created his voice from all of his movies they've gathered it together in a computer and it spit out a computerized voice that sounds exactly like him and when i say exactly i mean if my eyes were closed and you played that clip for me i would say that is val kilmer speaking wow wow it is fascinating we'll play a clip of it right here when we think of the most talented creative people they speak to us in a unique way a phrase we often hear is having a creative voice but i was struck by throat cancer after getting treated my voice as i knew it was taken away from me but now i can express myself again I can bring these dreams to you. That's incredible. I mean, that just sounds like him. That is a computer talking. Wow. That is that is nuts. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the stu- the other stuff that's in the trailer. All right? Yeah. So I can tell you that there's not beach volleyball, but beach football on this one. Okay. That's interesting, right? Yeah. He's spinning the football in his hand, right? Instead yeah. of flexing on the volleyball court. Okay. And from what I understood from the actors on that one, the phrase that they heard over and over again was more oil. <laughs> <laughs> they, they even thought about having t-shirts printed up that said Top Gun Maverick. More oil. <laughs> That's funny. And then the other part of that, and this is kind of similar to our story on Val Kilmer and the first movie, is they shot that scene, you know, and as an actor, you have to totally prep for those shirtless scenes. And so they shot that scene, and then they're like, okay, whoo, finally done with all of that workout, all of that prep, you know, and Tom Cruise sent them this big, beautiful, like, coconut cake for them to eat. <laughs> and then just before Christmas time, whenever, you know, they've just finished with Thanksgiving, just Kaczynski, the director, is like, 
hey guys, we can't really use any of that footage. We're going to need to do that again. <laughs> so they had to go and try to fast pace, get themselves slimmed back down to reshoot the football scene. I saw some of it. They, they're looking good. It doesn't matter if those guys eat some turkey and some stuffing. They're, they're going to still look good. Glenn Powell said that after they shot that first scene, yeah. they were all like high-fiving and they all went out for milkshakes and tater tots afterwards. <laughs> You know, and they, I mean, they had to really be diligent about their bodies because is there a more iconic scene in Top Gun than the volleyball scene, the well, shirtless I mean, volleyball scene? I mean, it's definitely iconic for sure. For sure. So the sequel to that, I mean, these guys had to look great and, and these guys are buffed up. Yeah. Young, good looking guys. It's the key to the success of the movie, right? No Chinese food for them. And I noticed a girl in her sports bra and the one that we've got this time. So, hey. Great. Yay. Thumbs up for me. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about some other things, other iconic things I saw in the trailer. All right, we've got the aileron roll right out of the gate. And it's an F-14 Tomcat, which is what they used in 86, right? That's what those guys were flying. Well, the Navy doesn't have those anymore. Those are all decommissioned. So that is a big question. Like, is he doing a flashback or is this like one of the enemies? Because Iran, who we sold the Tomcats to, is still using it. So I don't know if Iran is the unknown enemy out there, but it's interesting that we're seeing a Tomcat first jet that we see in the trailer. Okay. I didn't even notice that. Okay, we've got a descending barrel roll. Nice. Another awesome one, right? Keep going, Fuzzy. Okay. (laughs) It's spit take, man. Oh, spit spit take. take. Spit take. Um, (laughs) I thought you couldn't give yourself your call sign. Right. I didn't. That was David Wright. David Wright and James Buckley worked together to get spit take. Okay. I like it better than Fuzzy. Um, okay, so they did the rolling scissors, which I remember from the commentary, that was one of the most difficult things to capture in the first one. And they've got the rolling scissors in there. They've got the missing man formation going over as they have the funeral. And that's another thing. Who's going to die, right? Is it Iceman? Is he the one that dies? Is it... We don't know. One of the guys? I mean, something's going on where somebody dies. Okay, you want my opinion? Yeah, go for it. My opinion is it's either Viper uh-huh. or it's Iceman. Right. It has to have meaning to the audience. I think they've got to pull somebody from the old movie. Yeah. Those two guys make the most sense to me. They do. And it would be terrible to do Jester because somebody would be like, Jester's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeehaw! (laughs) Okay. So we talked a little bit about them having to get into shape, but let's talk about the aerial training that these actors had to do. This movie was shot with cameras in cockpits, okay? This is actual shots from jets. Tom Cruise insisted this is not CGI stuff. Right. Like, And let's be specific here. These are specially made IMAX cameras. Like they are IMAX cameras a little smaller than a, like a tissue box that they can put six of them in different spots on the jet to get those shots. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. That is incredible. So since they were going to be in jets, they had to know what to do if something happened and they crashed or whatever. So they had to go through this intense Navy training for like three months. You know, what happens if you have to eject? What happens if you land in the water? What happens, you know, you got to get out of your seatbelt and all this other stuff. The actual actors had to go through all this stuff and you can see it on their faces. When they're pulling G's, you can't fake that. They have to run the cameras. Like when they're up there, they have to be, the, they, they become actor and director at the same time because there's only so much 
that you can do. So they've got to not only endure all of those G's, they've not only got to stay in character, but they've got to make sure that they're in the frame properly and that what's, you know, that the light is hitting them on the right side before they are rolling these things. I mean, it's it's an amazing bit of work that all of these actors who are in these planes have done. And Tom Cruise, he's like, before we even start, I'm putting you through an aviation training regimen, right? He started in a single engine to build their like spatial awareness once they're up in the air and then went to an L-39 so that they could feel the aerobatics type of feelings when you do sure when you're doing jet stuff right and then the f-18 launching off an aircraft carrier dude that f-18 is no joke man no no and let's talk about that so the you know opening scene again once again you've got these two f-18s that are super close to each other right they are probably as close as you can get and be within the rules of combat training. And then all of a sudden, Maverick shoots up between them, which against the rules, right? You're not allowed to get that close. But Maverick is Maverick. Maverick, you know, cannot be tamed. Right. So Maverick is still being Maverick in this particular movie. Did you see the clip where he's like, all right, Maverick, don't get fired on the first day. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And you've got John Hamm is obviously a guy who's ready to get rid of Maverick. He is the the enemy general or whatever he is. I'm not sure what his rank is, but he's obviously the guy who is ready to have Maverick out of there. So let me just say this up front. So there's a lot of, there's like misinformation on the Top Gun Maverick movie. So like, I wanted to research it. Uh-huh. I didn't want to learn too much because I don't want to spoil the movie for myself. Right, right. But so I'm coming across like multiple characters for actors and they've done a great job of keeping this sort of under wraps. Yeah. Imagine doing the most anticipated movie, like sequel movie in 30 years. Right. And having to not talk about it for four years. Right. So John Hamm's character I show is Cyclone. That's his call sign. All right. I have also seen it listed that he's Merlin. What? Yeah. That does make sense. Well, I know. Right? Okay. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't they just get Tim Robbins to play that part? Well, exactly. There's no Tim Robbins. There's no Kelly McGillis. Right. There's no Meg Ryan. Right. There's no Tom Skerritt. Right. There's no Rick Rossovich. There's no Rick Rossovich. There's no Michael Ironsides. Yeah. So we're pretty well starting fresh, although I think that, like, I show that maybe Merlin's in this movie, Sundown, Slider, Charlie Viper. Hmm. I will be interested to see which of these characters make an appearance. Yeah, this will be exciting. The director said, you know, when they when people were like, hey, you know, you didn't even call Kelly McGillis. Yeah. And you didn't even call Meg Ryan. He was like, hey, you know, this is just a new story. Not everything has to look back at the old story. This is a new story with new characters. And some are the same and some just don't belong in the story, you know. So I feel bad for Kelly McGillis. Well, <laughs> Kelly McGillis is living in a log cabin a happy, quiet life, teaching theater and film at a a local school. She's happy. I mean, she didn't, she kind of grew tired of the constant Hollywood image and trying to live that lifestyle. She wanted to go spend time with her kids and enjoy them. And I can't blame her for that. That's Absolutely not. That is great. More power to her. Yeah. But I've seen more things on Facebook of, look how fat Kelly oh, McGillis yeah, is That's now. terrible. That so, is terrible. That's wrong. Okay. That's wrong. Okay. So let's talk about the cast for just a second. Oh, yeah. Keep going. So Tom Cruise returns as Maverick. Obviously. He's yes. actually older than Tom Skerritt was in Top Gun. That's crazy. Right? He's that older than, than Viper. Yeah. So Tom Cruise right now is 59. Yeah. Which it's, is older than Tom Skerritt was when he played Viper in the original Top Gun. Right. Tom Cruise aged a little bit better than Tom Skerritt did. <laughs> Dude. 
No Tom offense. Cruise. No offense to Thomas Garrett. I'm just saying Tom Cruise looks the same. Like I heard the John Hamm interview and he was like, somehow Tom Cruise like stayed in the same spot and I passed him. Like I didn't just pass him. I like zoomed by. <laughs> Hey, listen, Tom Cruise and Jennifer Connelly have that rare gene. They just don't age. Yeah, and probably hard work and good, you know, medical help. Probably so. Probably that, You know, lots of time in the gym that I haven't been putting in. So, (laughs) So Tom Cruise plays Maverick, okay? Okay. Jennifer Connelly plays Penny Benjamin. Right. Okay. Does that name stand out to you? Yeah. Admiral's daughter. For those of you who don't remember, when Maverick and Goose are getting balled out by Stinger for going to rescue Cougar at the very beginning of Top Gun 1986, Stinger's balling him out for all kinds of stuff. You know, put in hack twice by me. One high-speed flyby and one Admiral's daughter. And Goose leans over and goes, Penny Benjamin. Yeah. And Tom Cruise is like, I'm not sure. <laughs> right? Right. Well, Penny Benjamin, as soon as I heard Jennifer Connelly as Penny Benjamin, I'm like, oh, crap, that's from the first movie. What a great tie-in. Yeah, exactly. So we get to meet her. Now then, Miles Teller plays Rooster. Mm-hmm. He's actually Goose's son. Well, he doesn't have sweet, great balls of fire feelings for <laughs> Maverick. He does not. But man, he pulls off the look. He's got the perfect mustache. He's got the stash. He's got the right haircut. He's got the right clothes. They nailed Goose's look for Rooster. They did. You know that uh, Miles Teller was actually born in 1987. Wow. He was born after Top Gun came out. So, but not bad because in the movie Top Gun, you see Meg Ryan and Anthony Edwards have a kid. Yeah. And he's pretty young. I mean, he he's, like he's two like two or three. Yeah. Where, you know, yeah. So that's, that's definitely believable. That could work. Yeah. yeah. For sure. And so there's some bad blood between... Rooster and Maverick. I think he even says, my dad believed in you. I'm not going to make the same mistake. Lots of tension. I'm excited for that part of it as well. Yes. Who else you got? Okay. Monica Barbaro. She is playing Phoenix. Okay. She's a female pilot. Yes. So there's that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is new. There were no female cast members in the original Top Gun. She's out there. And from what I can gather, I don't think there's going to be some kind of romance story with her. Which is, again, accurate because one of the deals with Kelly McGillis's character was she couldn't be a part of the military because the military were not allowed to fraternize. And I think if the Navy's behind this like they were on the first one, they're probably going to stick to those stick to those right. guns, if you will. I think you're right. We got Val Kilmer returning as Iceman. We got Glenn Powell as Hangman. He's the guy that we talked about who they went out for milkshakes and tater tots after mm-hmm. the, the football scene. Yeah. I think he's going to be the sort of Iceman character in this movie. Yeah, it looks like, from in the trailer, it looks like that Rooster is like trying to go after him inside the classroom quote unquote classroom which again is still they're doing it out on like the deck or whatever it's not in an actual classroom of course but it's beautiful hang that american flag while we are <laughs> where we're in class right then you also have john ham playing cyclone as we said ed harris his title is listed as rear admiral uh-huh but i've also heard maybe jester Okay. And then you've got Jean Louisa Kelly, okay? Okay. You recognize her from Uncle Buck and Yes Dear. Yeah, she was the she was the niece on Uncle Buck. Yes. Tia. Yeah. She's playing Sarah Kazansky. Oh, so we think this is a wife, maybe? Her sister? I think it's a wife. Yeah. Which I, that kind of is leaning to me like it's gonna be Iceman who's in the coffin. I think so too. Yeah. Okay, we've got several writers on this one. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Story-wise, we've got Justin Marks, who 
was the creator of Counterpart that had J.K. Simmons in it. And then the other, as far as story goes, we have Peter Craig, who we talked about on our episode on The Batman. Yes. It was Peter Craig who went and worked with Matt Reeves for the script for The Batman. He has also done Bad Boys for Life. He's done two of the Hunger Games movies. He's done The Town, Ben Affleck yeah, movie, right? Yeah, that was good. So I'm looking at him, and he's Sally Field's son. What? I was like, what? Yes, what? Sally Field's son is writing some of the best movies to come out in the last 10 years. Little Frog? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got a couple of other guys who are involved with the script. We've got Christopher McGuire, who helped with Mission Impossible Fallout, did The Edge of Tomorrow, did The Usual Suspects. So, A1 writer there. Yep. We've got Aaron Warren Singer, who did Only the Brave, The International, and American Hustle. We've got Aaron Kruger, who did The Ring and Arlington Road and Scream 3. Scream 3 was the worst of them, but okay. hopefully he's improved since then. Okay. okay. Um, but a lot of writers on this one, but... I think the most interesting thing is our director. Before I get into the director, I want to talk one more thing about the trailer, all right? Yeah. So at the end of the trailer, you've got this scene where Maverick is in what looks to be a space helmet, and he's in like this black, otherworldly-looking jet, and it shows this guy standing outside of a little shack as the jet zooms by, the sort dust of the buzz in the tower billows scene, up, yeah. and yet the roof literally comes off of the shack and slams back down. Yeah. So I'm like... What kind of plane was that? And I had heard, like, is it a SpaceX thing? Because I know that Jerry Bruckheimer and Tom Cruise had talked to Elon Musk about SpaceX stuff. It's not that. Okay, you guys ready? Here's what it is, all right? Okay. This is a not-yet-released plane called the Hypersonic Dark Star. It is an SR-72. It is the follow-up to the SR-71 Blackbird, which was designed by Lockheed Martin. And Joseph Kaczynski and Jerry Bruckheimer got together with the guys from Lockheed Martin, and they are the ones that created this simulation of this Dark Star plane. What? It is awesome. And Jerry Bruckheimer, whatever they did, Jerry Bruckheimer said it was so real it was so real looking that China changed their satellite direction in order to get a better view of their fake plane. Get like out of they here. thought it was they thought it was the real thing. Skunk Works was the name of the company that were the guys from Lockheed Martin who built and designed this mock-up Dark Star hypersonic SR-72. Very very cool. I'm excited to see what they do with that. Wow. I hope it's not just for the trailer. Dark Star sounds like a new G.I. Joe toy. I mean, it's Dark like, Star was the name of the movie that John, John Carpenter, Carpenter. Yes, yes, John Carpenter and Dan O'Bannon from that's Aliens, right. the movie that they that's did together. Right. Yes, that's right. Way to go. Okay. Just want to touch cinematographer is Claudio Miranda. He did Life of Pi. He did Benjamin Buttons. He did Oblivion and Crimson Tide, your yeah, favorite, right? Yeah, yeah. And our composers, Harold Faltemeyer is back. And to join him, Hans freaking Zimmer. Oh, yes. Yeah. Hey, you know who else is back? Tell me. Kenny Loggins. What? Yes. Tell me more. Here's what I know. Kenny Loggins is releasing a new version of Danger Zone. That's all I know, and I can't wait to hear it. Freaking ready to get my sock. socks blown <laughs> off right here. It's always a different article of clothing with you. Your skirt, your dress, your socks. <laughs> my gloves are going to fly off. <laughs> okay, so now let's talk director Joseph Kaczynski. Okay. So Joseph Kaczynski, his 
first movie was Tron Legacy. Since then, he's done Only the Brave. He's also done Oblivion mm-hmm. with Tom Cruise, of course. Yes. Um, he also did the Taco Bell Web of Fries commercial. <laughs> I think this was pretty awesome. The Web of Fries. And here's a little special treat for you, sir. He is got an upcoming movie, Twister. Wait a minute. Would that not be awesome? Really? Yes. Yes. Let's go. That is freaking cool. So Joseph Kaczynski, I got some story here. Wait, before you get into before you get into that, I called you the other day and I said you have got to watch Oblivion. Right? It's one of the best movies in the 2000s. You know, yeah. we did that episode a couple of months ago where we ranked the best movies since 2000. Yeah. Oblivion did not make my top 10, but looking back on it, it probably should have. Okay. Did you watch that movie? I still have not seen it. Oh I've been gosh. begging Caleb to watch it with me, and it's just like, you know, with your kids. It's like, I want to watch it. Ah, no thanks, Dad. No thanks. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. So if you haven't seen Oblivion, right. Tom Cruise is the star, uh-huh. Olga Karolinko, holy schmokes. <laughs> And then, of course, Joseph Kaczynski directing. It's awesome. Yes. So tell me about what you learned about how many hours of footage you've got on this. They shot 800 hours in order to make this movie. 800 hours. That's nuts. So I I was thinking about this when you told me that. I'm like, okay. So they shot that much. You don't have time in a normal setting to go through that. They've had four years. I mean, nearly four years. They've had nearly four years to go through all of this and really tweak the heck out of this movie if they wanted to. So you really are going to get the best of the best of 800 hours of footage, which, as we mentioned, are shot on IMAX cameras. The whole movie is shot on IMAX digital cameras. The original Top Gun was shot on 35 millimeter. Yeah. When you think about the 800 hours, in order to properly edit, and we know this because we edit our show, Yeah. you have to watch to see what's good. Yeah. 800 hours, you'd have to spend 100 days, 8 hours a day just to watch. That's nuts. The amount of editing they had to do on this is beyond me. Right. Before you go into your Joseph Kaczynski story. Yes. You threw that nugget at me that he's got Twister maybe coming up on the horizon, which yes. sounds great. I, I, count me in. Right. Also, possible remakes that he's in charge of. You ready for this? Yeah. If you are a 70s, 80s, 90s movie buff, listen up. Yeah. He might be working on Logan's Run. Oh, wow. The Black Hole. Oh, wow. The Twilight Zone. Okay, that is freaking awesome. Keep going. And the movie version of the video game Gran Turismo. Wow. This guy is somebody to keep your eye on. The black hole scared the holy crap out of me as a kid. If they've got to have the scene with the book and the saw, is all I'm saying. Absolutely. <laughs> or make it better. I don't know how you <laughs> want up that one, but that's yeah. Okay, so let me tell you a little bit about Joseph Kaczynski, all right? Yeah. So this is a this is a prime example of you don't have to go to USC's film school to become a director of some monumental movies, right? Okay. So he started off at Stanford studying jazz and engineering. Really? Yeah. Tell me more. So he is an engineer student. He goes to this product design class. And at some point, the professor kind of pulls him aside and says, hey, you get a really good eye for design. Maybe that should be the thing that you pursue. And so he decides to study architecture as a grad student. And he thought that was going to be the best way to kind of combine these artistic interests and the design and architecture interests that he has. And so he goes over to a friend's house. He's trying to decide where he wants to go to school. And on the friend's wall he sees this Marcel Breuer chair and he's he finds out from his friend hey that's 
my older brother did this thing. He goes to Columbia at the School of Architecture. And he's like, School of Architecture? Really? He's like, yeah, that's the way to do it. Over there, they are doing amazing new things with computer that beyond AutoCAD. And so he's like, okay, I think this is the way I'm going to go. And so he becomes a grad student at Columbia in School of Architecture. He actually finishes and is teaching. He's a professor of architecture. What? This guy's like our age, right? Yeah. Okay. So he realizes that this is not the way he wants to spend his life. And so after school, he's like, I'm going to start making short films. Okay. So he starts making short films with his computer and distributing them on the internet. Well, this is like... Way. 1996. I mean, this Whoa. is this is this is pre YouTube. This is pre. I mean, we're talking about AOL dial-up at this point. Wow. And this guy's making short films, and so he starts this little company with a friend of his called KD Labs, and their tagline is: "We are interested in exploring the blurred boundaries between architecture, film, and graphics." So these short films get out on the internet and he gets invited out to go to L.A. He gets hooked up with David Fincher. Whoa. In L.A. in the 90s. Wow. Who gets him a job at an advertising production company called Anonymous Content and he starts doing commercials. Told you, dude. That's the way in, it's apparently. It's like, huh? I mean, Tony Scott, Ridley Scott, making commercials, leads to movies. This guy. Wow. So let me talk to you about the commercials that he's done. I sent you the Saab commercial, which, you know, again, right. Tony Scott. So he did this awesome Saab commercial. Right. He did Halo 3 Starry Night. If you want, if you know that commercial, it's impressive. He did the Chevy Baby one. He did the Gears of War Mad World one. He's done a ton of these awesome commercials. And he was there whenever YouTube was new. So I went and looked at it. He's got like 413 followers on his YouTube channel because he hasn't posted anything in 13 years. <laughs> but it's all of his commercials, right? Uh-huh. Well, 13 years ago is when he gets a knock at the door and they said, hey, we'd like you to do the new version of Tron for us. Wow. What an incredible story that is. Oh. By the way, Yeah. have you seen Child Legacy? I mean, I have not, no. Okay. It's a lot like a Ridley Scott or Tony Scott movie. The visuals are out of this world. Right. It's a bit long and boring. Okay. You know. Right. That's kind of what I that's what I got. Visually so stunning. If you look at his old commercials, they are all obviously heavily computer and CGI driven. Mm-hmm. And he does a great job with it. And you and I are not big fans of CGI, but he seems like the appropriate choice in 2010 to be the guy that does a movie where the guy's stuck inside of a video game, right? Right, right. He seems to be the obvious choice for that. It didn't turn out as well as they wanted it to, but leads down some roads, right? Sure. So around the same time, 2010, he is writing a graphic novel as a story idea for that he has, and that is what becomes Oblivion. Yes. Tron was filmed in March of 2012, released in 2013. He was supposed to do a third Tron, but Disney was like, no, this wasn't well received. We're not going to do another one. Fortunately, he goes on to do Oblivion. He then does Only the Brave, which, I mean, that's not a CGI movie, right? I mean, that's... You got some fire effects, but it's all very realistic. And so you can see this kind of gradual progression of this guy from heavy computer. Sure. And now what we've got with Top Gun Maverick is we don't want any appearance of CGI at all. Yep. And fortunately with this guy, I think he's good enough that if it's there, it's going to be so good we're not going to know it. Well, that's the goal, right? By the way, have you seen Only the Brave? I have not. <laughs> Let me tell you about it. No, please don't. <laughs> I'm talking to Jason on the phone. 
the talk about this. And he's like, oh, hey, yeah. So in Only the Brave, this moment is so impactful. And it's real. I'm like, are you telling me what happened in the movie? And he's like, oh, but don't worry. That's not really what happened. There's other thing. I'm like, no, stop telling me. Stop telling me what happens. So that is our spoiler warning, right? That's our spoiler warning. We... We'll have spoilers very shortly, but I, we got just a few more, couple things to talk about, and then we're going to go watch the movie and tell you what we think. Yep. Okay. So when you were talking to me, you were like, so this is Joseph Kaczynski's and Tom Cruise's second team up together, right? Yeah. Oblivion. Well, Oblivion was first. Yes. He was going to do a movie called Go Like Hell. Go Like Hell. I saw him on this. It was on Comic-Con, and he was with the director of the new Jurassic World movies and Robert Rodriguez and him, those three guys. Yeah. And they had different questions for him, and they're like, hey, what's the movie that you were super excited about that got canned, you know, went into development hell, whatever it was. Right. And he was like, oh, well, I had this movie that I was going to do called Go Like Hell. It ended up being Ford versus Ferrari. Oh. He goes, yeah, we just couldn't get the the budget that we wanted for it. And the guy's like, well, how close were you? And he goes, well, I had Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt doing a table read for me. Whoa. And wow. the director of Jurassic Park or Jurassic World was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so this is really their third team up. It's just that the second one didn't work out. Wow. You have the two guys from Interview with a Vampire back to do another movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's wow. Great. That, that I mean, great. two of the biggest movie stars of our time, really. I mean, oh, let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. Absolutely. So can you imagine Ford versus Ferrari with Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt instead of Matt Damon and Christian Bale? That uh, would have been... Yes, please. Yeah. I mean, talk about your recasting of movies. That would have been something that, spectacular. Fantastic. I, I can't figure out... I don't know if they ended up getting more money after he left the project or what, but obviously they didn't spare expense on that movie. That seems like a sure thing. I don't know why they'd abandon that one. But. Right. Okay, so you got anything else? Tell me what you got. Okay, I want to add one more thing before we move into the spoiler zone here, okay? I've just seen Tom Cruise out. You know, he's doing the publicity right now. Again, we haven't seen this movie just yet. Tom Cruise was asked, they were like, did you ever think about showing this streaming along with the theaters? He's like, never, never, never. Right. This is a in-theater experience movie, and I really, I give it up to him for that. Tom Cruise is a lot of things, but what he's really good at, he's a great movie star, and he is a cinema lover. Yeah. And he is giving us a movie that deserves to be watched in the theater. Let me just say this. We kind of gushed after we saw The Batman together, right? Yeah. And we saw it in IMAX. Yeah. Now, after that, I talked to friends who had seen it who were upset with the sound quality. They were like, I felt like they were whispering the whole time. And I know as a guy who watches movies at my house, sometimes the loudness of the sound effects or the loudness of the soundtrack gets overwhelming. And I feel like I don't want to put the subtitles on, but I can't hear what people are saying. Right. And I am going deaf, but... (laughs) Okay. But there's something about an IMAX theater where the sound is so perfectly designed that I didn't even, those weren't even thoughts that remotely occurred to me as we were watching it in the IMAX theater. And so we're going to go watch this one, IMAX. I want to urge anyone who can go see any movie that's big and beautiful like this, go see it on the IMAX. And even if it's not this big, beautiful movie, go see it because I think the sound design is even better and won't be distorted like it is on your home theater or if you try to stream it on HBO when it comes out in a month or whatever it is. So please do this movie the justice and if you've got a 4D theater near you, you need to go Absolutely. see that because there there are moments in this movie where you're going to be side view 
in a F-18 jet. I mean, ugh, making my O face here. I can't. I can't wait to go see this movie. Yeah. And just real quick, before we before we head to the theater, everybody talks about how awesome Tom Cruise is and how much passion he has for all of his projects, especially this one. Right. After Top Gun, the original, he became a pilot. He owns his own planes. He was the guy giving instructions to these actors. And he said that this movie is a love letter to aviation. I can't he, wait. He legitimately thought that the Navy was going to let him fly an F-18. <laughs> No. They were like, uh, not so much. No. But he did land a helicopter at a screening just the other day. I saw him, landed the helicopter like a freaking boss, yeah. and got off and went to his premiere. It is too exciting for us to talk anymore. Let us go buy our popcorn and check out this movie. Let's go. You are now entering the spoiler zone. Whoa there, buddy. Before we jump into the spoiler zone, we have got a special little treat from the guys from a film buy. Brad and Jeff are the film buy podcast. Let's hear what they have to say. Brad, you want to know who the best podcast is? That's them. The Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. It's the way they talk. Completely sure of themselves about the movies and music from the 80s and 90s. You believe they were on set or in the recording studio, whatever movie or album they discuss. Well, let's hope their show is a target-rich environment for this promo. Hey, everyone. This is Brad and Jeff from my Film By Podcast. We love what Dee and Jason do, and we welcome you to check out a Film By Podcast, where I discuss... We. Oh, sorry, Jeff. We discuss the underrated films of our favorite directors. And every other week on our limited series, 1986, we're on a mission to determine whether 86 was the best year for cinema in the 1980s as well as decide what was the best movie of 1986. You mean Big Trouble in Little China? Eh, could be. But hey, it's also the year that gave us Top Gun, Aliens, Stand By Me, Crocodile Dundee, Critters, Ferris Bueller's Day Uh Off. Critters. Jeff, come on, seriously? I am serious, and we're discussing them all. Well, check us out, a Film By podcast. D, Jason, we love you both, but the plaque for the alternates is down in the ladies' room. Oh, Brad, you kill me. You really do. Uh, No, 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 no. There's two Fs in Jeff, boys. Oh my gosh, the quotes are going to be rich in this episode. (laughs) I cannot wait. Guys, truly great podcast that you have. Thank you very much for doing that for us. We look forward to listening to what you guys have to say once you get to see the movie Maverick. That's right. Be sure and check them out over at A Film By Podcast. Now, it is time to jump into the spoiler zone. We have seen the movie now, D. Yes, and I can say a long time ago in a movie theater far, far away, we saw an amazing movie. Yes. And then we came back 30-something years later and we saw another amazing movie that was very much like Top Gun but also very much like Star Wars. It really was. We both agreed that this was really kind of a retelling of Star Wars. Right. So just in case you didn't catch it, we're about to spoil the heck out of this movie. So if you don't want to hear the spoilers, run away. But I'm not going to give away what I think are probably the best parts. I'm just going to tell you great stuff coming, right? Sure, sure. Okay, so we started off this movie with virtually an identical introduction from the original movie. I loved it. It was a it was a love letter to the fans. It absolutely was. And I got to say for this whole movie, if you're going to take a movie that has the nostalgia that is attached like the nostalgia is to Top Gun, this is a lesson on how to do that right. They 
let us in with this beautiful throwback to the way that we saw things when we first saw Top Gun. They ended it in a very similar style. It was spot on. Hey fans, we're here for you. But also, here's another great story that is very unlike the first story. Yeah, this really blew my doors off. So I appreciate the effort and the time. You know, we, we talked about how this was a love letter, not only to aviation, but, mm-hmm. but to movie fans. Yeah. If you like cinema, this was a love letter to you. Yep. This is a way not to screw it up. There have been tons of screw-ups that have happened in the past. I venture to say even Joseph Kaczynski probably had a lesson to learn from doing the Tron Legacy because it didn't really pay off the way that the original did. But what he did with this one was a masterpiece. It was fun. It was a little less rock and roll. It was definitely more concentrated on Maverick. The story, I expected a deeper story and I got one. This one, it's true, was not full rock and roll all the time. You got plenty of fast jets. You got good-looking women. You got good-looking guys. You got guys who are kicking butt, and it's all kinds of awesome. But there is a much deeper plot line behind this one than from the original movie. Yeah. Which is not super hard to do because the original movie did not have a super deep plot. It was about rock and roll in the sky, right? Yeah, but it wasn't deep. It was it was still a very much popcorn movie, very enjoyable. There were at least two like bust out laughing moments. Yes, that were very real. So even though I thought the movie was sort of more serious in tone, it was still. Tons of fun. The aerial combat stuff was amazing. So let me talk about a few of the things that we talked about in the early half of this episode, right? In the Mm. first half of this episode. Number one, I mentioned the Dark Star. Yes. That is, you're going to get that right off the bat, and it is awesome. It is a great introduction. It lets us know where Maverick stands, like how he's grown as a human being, and not not grown grown, as a human being. It is very well executed, and lays the foundation for the story at hand, right? Yeah. It is a it's a foreshadowing of what's to come. They then bring us into very similar circumstances. Like we're gonna go back to training, right? But it's not police academy at all. Right. It's it's not back to the miners. <laughs> it, it's it is it is some genuinely good stuff. They've got a woman who's now a part of the Top Gun crew. And what they're doing in this one was a little more in line with what we talked about Top Gun being really like, where each squad sends their top pilots to learn and then go back and teach and what we've got in this one is those guys are coming back again it's like not just the best of the squads it's the best of the best of the squads it's like the best of top gun yeah yeah i gotta say there's a sequence involving an f-14 okay so that that was was like my favorite part of the entire movie right i i have to say i talked about this first half of the episode you know the fact that there was an f-14 tomcat in the trailer and i was like i don't know how they're gonna bring that is this a flashback what is it it is the best payoff in the whole movie, in my opinion. And they lovingly refer to it as a bag of ass. <laughs> <laughs> and not only is it a great moment when that thing comes back in, but the whole use of the F-14 is beautiful. And I'll say this. Okay, so we've seen two kind of, hey, we're re redoing a story this year. We saw the Batman. We saw this one. The Batman... I loved, but it didn't deliver as well in the third act. Same problem I had with The Dark Knight. Same problem I had with Batman 89. This one, I think the third act was probably the best act of the whole movie. Totally agree. Totally agree. The climax and then the second climax were out of this world, blow your socks off, awesome popcorn fun. We had a couple of points of no return, and they delivered. Like, we probably had 
three to four points where you're just like, I don't know how they're going to get out of this one. And it wasn't contrived. That's what I loved about it. None of this was contrived. Everything was like, okay, that makes sense. I mean, they yeah. they sold it. They didn't give us something that we're like, okay, come on, right. really? No, this was all spot on great storytelling from beginning to end. I will say this. So before we saw the movie, obviously we didn't know about it. Mm-hmm. No slider, no viper, no jester, no sundown. None of the guys from the first movie... Except, except Ice. Well, you have Maverick, you have Iceman, and you have Penny Benjamin, and you have Goose. You know. Well, yeah. There's talk of Goose. There's some flashback moments, but yes, it, the I ghost just, of Goose. Yeah, um, we didn't get Obi Wan saying use the Force, but we got pretty darn close. There was some very close similarities. So big spoilers coming along here. Well, part of what they have to do is hit a like three meter wide target. Hey, we used to bullseye womp rats back home in our T sixteens. It's not much bigger than two meters. Right. <laughs> right. And you have an outlaw member of the Top Gun crew who saves the day at the end of the day. Yeehaw! Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're all clear, kid. <laughs> Let's blow this thing and go home. Hey, you know what? One of the funniest moments of the night, we were standing in line. Oh my gosh. This is the best. <laughs> it's the best moment of the night. So Jason's wearing his Top Gun shirt, right? <laughs> He's got his Top Gun shirt on and we're standing in line. I don't even know why we're standing in line because we have assigned seats. But right. I guess, you know, we're like, oh, we're dumb fans. So we're standing in line and this guy's in front of us and he goes to Jason. He's like, oh, nice shirt. How old's that? And he's like, huh? He goes, is it from the 80s? He's like, no, I got this like a couple years ago at Target. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, you guys excited? And we're like, yeah. And he goes, have you seen the original? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, we caught that one. <laughs> I almost started laughing. I'm like, dude, I've seen this movie a thousand times. <laughs> have you seen the original? <laughs> yes. Yes, we have. That's why we're here on opening night with my Top Gun shirt on. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's classic. Um, no after credit scenes, in case you're wondering about that. Right. You will have you will have a nice little epilogue. Um, let's talk about Penny Benjamin real quick. Mm. She beautiful, but not like overly plastic. You know, I mean, she looks like a genuinely. I think I told you she looks like a beautiful soccer mom. A very beautiful soccer mom, but Jennifer Connelly has aged exceptionally well. Um, she I was, and Tom Cruise have aged extremely well, and they have fought their early eyebrow problems. <laughs> They've got the eyebrows under control. I was really hoping that there'd be like a quarter-operated horse on this one, but no such luck with it. Dang it. Um, there are really some great touching moments in this one. The dynamic between Rooster, who is Goose's son, and Hangman, and the dynamic between Rooster and Maverick, and the story of why they're at odds is great. It's well-placed. It makes sense. Just great movie overall, guys. I I super enjoyed it. So let me ask you this, Jason. Mm, Yes. Tell me your thoughts on the movie. Better or not as good as or as good as Top Gun, the original? Well, I'm not 13 anymore, mm-hmm. so this didn't quite strike me like the original, Yeah. but the things that it really does well are exceptional. So the aerial combat stuff is stuff you've never seen on screen before. Just the feeling of being inside of a jet, this, I think, does a good job with that. And the, the relationship part of it's really good, so it's a little less, uh, you know, towel-popping fraternity boy stuff, but I still loved it. Yeah. 
What did you, what did you think? Uh, this one's a better movie to me by by far. Wow. I, I mean, I told you before, Top Gun was a good movie to me, but I didn't blow me away like it did most of the guys my age. This one is better at the storytelling part of things, which, you know, that's great. That's what I want. But in my opinion, it's better on the aviation stuff too. It's the scissors flying, the dives, the Gs that you're feeling with those guys. To me, it was much more real. And it could be the fact that we were watching it in an IMAX theater, but... It was intense, along with great characters, great story, a history that they build without doing a lot of exposition. I mean, I yeah, to me, Top Gun Maverick is a better movie than Top Gun. Wow. I got another question for you. Yeah. Okay. Top Gun Maverick. Yes. Or the Batman. I still, I like the Batman better. Yeah. I like the Batman better. Yeah. But I did enjoy this one, and I think I told you, just the idea of making a movie that pleases audiences makes me happy. It really does. This was directed at fans, and I am very thankful, and I am fully in full appreciation mode from Tom Cruise and Joseph Kaczynski. Yeah. Joseph Kaczynski, by the way, is about our age. I think he was born 75, around our time. And so he grew up with this like we did. And so this was, you know, Tom Cruise said this is a love letter to aviation. To me, this is Joseph Kaczynski's love letter to Top Gun. I agree with that. I agree with that. Hey, one thing I wanted to mention to you, D. Okay. I thought they used the Lady Gaga song throughout the movie, just like Take My Breath Away. It was underlying. It had that piano key. It set the tone for the movie. And I come out the other side of the movie liking that song better. Yeah, I wasn't. I haven't listened to that song a whole bunch, but I did notice on the opening credits that they had uh, Harold Faltmeyer, they had Lady Gaga, and they had Hans Zimmer all listed at the same time. So she's she's got equal billing with those guys. I can say I noticed when Hans Zimmer's music came in, and they put it in the perfect spot. But you had that intensity that only Hans Zimmer can do during those air maneuvers the that they were doing. It was intense and awesome. One more thing. Yeah. Kenny Loggins' Danger Zone is played unmolested and in its original 1986 form. No added rap, no uh, (laughs) stupid crap jacked around with it. It's full-blown Danger Zone. It was... When I heard it, I thought it was like maybe remastered or redone but just intensified a little bit i didn't think that it was exactly the same but i thought that they they didn't they didn't mess with it they did it and they were like okay let's how we can tweak it and just make it a just a smidge better and that and i think they delivered well unless they brought in toto or something like that Guys, tell us what you think. Be sure and hit subscribe or follow on whatever podcast app that you have. We are excited to hear what others think of this amazing movie. And I strongly, strongly encourage you, if you can see it in IMAX, do so. Absolutely. Come back next week where we got E.T. versus The Thing versus Blade Runner. Holy smokes, these movies are 40 years old. All released, a couple of them on the same day, but all within a week of each other. In June of 82, yeah. 40 years ago this June. Gosh. Wow.